Hey everybody, welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus, but we are back to talk about The Mandalorian Season through. Uh, season 3. We're going to be doing a back-to-back -back review of Episodes 5 and 6 as we get closer to the end of Season 3. I'm Matt. Rob is with me as always for these episodes. So, Rob, like I said, a little bit of a hiatus. Welcome back. But uh, I, I, I think a lot to talk about. And I think some of what I want to talk about ties into some of the announcements that we heard at Star Wars Celebration, because it has to do with the Mandalorian. Whether that's good or bad, I, I think we'll discuss a little bit, but feels good to to talk about the Mandalorian for, for better or worse, so to speak. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit of for better and a little bit of for worse. But um, yeah, I'm glad we're getting a chance to get caught up because there's not a lot left. I, I think there's eight episodes this season and we're going to talk about five and six. So there's a lot um, that still has to happen. And I'm kind of excited to see uh, what these last two episodes bring us. Yeah, I, I am excited to see what the last two episodes bring us. I do have a fear that based on what we've seen, we're we're almost cramming too much into the last two episodes. I feel like some of this has, has felt a little disjointed to me throughout the course of the season. And there hasn't been an extreme focus on what this season is about. It seems like there's a lot of budding plot points that need to kind of come together. Uh, I necessarily don't myself, you know, see us, you know, see all of those points converging on the same path. And I think that's part of the reason why I was a little curious about the announcement of, you know, a, a Mandalorian movie that will, you know, encompass Mando and, and Grogu's story. And I don't know if that was always the plan or if with kind of the canceling of certain things within the Star Wars universe and having some of the stuff that they were going to do on a separate show bleed its way into Mando if they felt that this was the best idea. But uh, I, I can't help that, you know, it, even with these two episodes, five and six, that, yeah, there was there was some good. There was a there was a lot of stuff that I liked. It, it feels a little bit sloppy to me as we're getting towards the end of this season. The, season three definitely does not feel as put together as season one and two through the same length of time. There's some real unevenness, I would say. Um, yeah. Parts of season two, I felt, were a little uneven. There was some incredible, powerful moments. And then there was a couple of times where I felt like the the series stumbled a bit. It was still entertaining. I was still engaged with the story. I still wanted to see what happened, but I felt like, you know, it's just some some bad decisions were made at different points. And throughout this season, we're kind of seeing a lot of that too. There's there's some really specific things as we get into uh, more episode six than five that it's just kind of like head scratching. It does kind of feel like they're trying to do a lot, and ultimately, what I really want this to be about is. Mando and Grogu like that's that's kind of what I want now I understand that you you want to to make the show fleshed out to make it feel fuller to really be able to tell a deeper story you have to be able to tell the story of these other characters and the other things that are happening but it does kind of feel like the story is starting to spread out a little bit wider and I haven't decided that that's a bad thing necessarily but that's not necessarily the story I want them to tell me yeah I, I think with that story you know Expand, expanding wider 
again, it's it's not that I don't want more of the universe, but I I just almost at this point kind of start to feel misled. And and like one of the things for me is, and this is not my idea. I read this, and then I was like, the more I thought about it, I said yeah, this kind of feels like a decision, like not a panic decision, but like, Hey, we, we can't keep this too long, but it, besides for being really adorable, there's for me. And I agree with this point. You know, one of the people that feels like widely misplaced in this season is Grogu. To me, he's just there to kind of be cute and, you know, be a little bit more vocal. He had that one scene, but to me, like his flashback episode, that could have been something that was done when he was with Luke or like he doesn't feel and maybe that will wholeheartedly change by the end of the season. But up until this point, he doesn't necessarily feel like he's vital to this season. He like he did in the first two seasons. He feels very much like a tag along like, ah, geez, like. We can't keep them. And again, maybe that's some of the things that happened with Cara Dune's character being taken out. I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not an exec at Disney. I'm not, you know, Favreau and, you know, people behind the scenes. But he just he doesn't feel as vital as he was in season one or two. And again, maybe for better or worse. But you take him out of this season and not a lot is different. Not a lot has to change. You could get that, you know, that guy that did the phantom edit where he pulls Jar Jar out of all of episode one. You could probably do that with Grogu. Not that you should, because why would you do that? Right. Why would you, why would you do that? But to your point and the point of the original commentator that you you referenced, if you were to take Grogu completely out of the season, does it really change anything about the season? And up to this point, sadly, the answer is I don't think I don't think the answer is that it changes it at all. You do have that one flashback. You would kind of lose that, but it does feel like they are starting to try to tell more of Bo's story here. Mm-hmm. And as it relates to Din and and a little bit of grief, Karga, I think you're, I think you're getting more of him than, than what we got, you know, with just Din and Grogu in the first two seasons. I think there's more that could be expanded on, you know, Grogu made, a huge decision, a life-changing decision to leave Luke Skywalker and the and the Jedi path that he was on to go back to Din and functionally become a Mandalorian. I mean, he's mm-hmm. training him as a foundling. He's training, you know, he's got the, the paintball gun that he shoots in, in a previous episode. He he he's supposed to be training him to be a Mandalorian. And we see a little bit of that. But there's some there's some fallout there that I think could be could be explored and we haven't gotten it. Yeah. And I think maybe part of that is, you know, we kind of discussed this previously that. To us, the viewer, without that outside article that we had referenced, there was no sense of timetable for how long Grogu and Din were separated to, to us. The viewer, it seemed like the blink of an eye that they were gone he didn't really have a lot of time with Luke, but according to people, you know, inside the production, they were separated for almost two years. And, you know, I'm not saying that you had to give us 
15 episodes with them apart or anything, but there was really no marker indicator. But then also it's like, to me, when you're watching these episodes, it doesn't make sense, especially with some of the information we get in episode six of, you know, kind of just as, as a, as a story point, we learned that like Moff Gideon never made it to trial. He he escaped. I, I can't imagine that he's been on the loose for two years. That feels like a bigger news story than what they made it out to be. Right. They, they made it seem like it was covered up and that wasn't like everybody forgot about it. It was very strange to me. Yeah. Like that was something where they just, <clears> you know, it's it literally they treated it like someone you know, you got two scoops of ice cream and one of them dropped off and fell on the floor and they're like, Oh, that stinks. But all right. Like, no, it's like the, this guy that wants to, you know, bring back <laughs> like the empire or whatever form, like he's escaped who helped him, who intercepted the ship, who knew about like, and it's just kind of like, yeah, no, uh, I, I knew he never made it like, really? Why isn't everybody else freaked out about this? Yeah, they're treating it very casually and it feels I it fe- and maybe what they're trying to do is set up the new republic as just incredibly arrogant and unfit to assume command of the galaxy mm-hmm. to replace the vacuum that was the empire. You know, they they won the battle. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, when you're, when your dog catches the car that he's been chasing all this time, now what do you do with it? (laughs) Right. And, you know, part of the, the problem that I kind of had between episode five and six, and I'll talk about some specific things in five though, because there was a couple of things that I, I, I really did like, it's almost the syndrome of the prequel trilogy where I felt they made the Jedi look incredibly stupid in the prequel trilogy. Like these are supposed to be defenders of the galaxy and, you know, incredibly intelligent people. And they just seemed really dumb at points that they just couldn't see like what was right in front of them. But also Rob, you've heard the saying, I'm sure a ton of listeners have, uh, the best way to hide is in plain sight. Like I, I, I've heard that expression before, but it kind of feels like, you know, the new Republic is in some ways like dumb. And I, you know, one of the things that I think they're doing here, and I, I think certainly from the Ahsoka trailer where we'll see more of that is it's you and I have talked about this, but to me, it's, it's almost super easy now to see how the first order was able to come about. And, you know, 30 years is, like, sure, it's a long time, but you would think like, geez, they should be able to go more than 30 years without another evil empire being able to just take over the goddamn galaxy. But the way they do things, it's like, it eh, doesn't feel so far fetched, like, but it makes them look stupid. The New Republic is being presented as kind of like the, a cross of the worst parts of like the Keystone Cops and Bill <laughs> Lumberg. And they're just they're coming across like super inept and nobody pays attention to anything that's actually important. There's people on the ground level that are saying, hey, you need to look at this. This is this is a problem. And they're, you know, the the people in authority and or positions of authority are just kind of like, 
eh, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna drink my coffee over here instead. Yeah, no. So, I mean, that's some of my overall problems, like with with five and six. But you know, specifically talking about five, I I think there were some good things in there. And you know, one of the things that I I did enjoy about episode five is, you know, the Mandalorians in this episode after a speech by Paz and you know, talking about how Bo-Katan and Din risked their, you know, their necks to to save his son and everything. The Mandalorians actually kind of felt like a bad deal or uh, a big deal. They felt like warriors who had been training to be in fights. And you hadn't really gotten that up until this point. And I thought some of the, I thought the fight scenes in this were really, really well done in episode five, but it was nice to see, you know, the Mandalorians portrayed uh, on that level. I, I thought that was good. I thought a lot of good dialogue happened in this one. And, and it was, it was I, just nice to see, especially for a show called the Mandalorian where it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's the Mandalorian. It means single, but geez, like the other group can't be good. Like <laughs> that cave scene overall is great. It's, it's almost kind of like the fellowship of the way yeah. you have my flamethrower. You have my minigun. You have my blaster. This is the way this is like, the way. <laughs> yeah. it it really felt like really kind of cool. And, and it didn't seem like it was going that way at first. And then it kind of moved that direction. And then we get what might be one of the single most badass things ever committed to screen where we get a whole squad of Mandos just dropping into town to fight pirates. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds like that sounds like a backyard sandbox. I'm just got I'm dumping all of my action figures out and I'm just going to play with everything I've got here and come up with the coolest thing. Like that's that's almost kind of like when, when we were talking about the Transformer series with our friend Harrison over on the basement binge, just like it just felt like a lot of those movies were just a kid at play. And this this episode, the best parts of it really do feel like that. And it's they they airdrop in in such an awesome yeah. scene, the way they kind of halo out of the sky and land and they just start blasting and kicking ass and there's explosions. And, you know, the that that squad of Mandos really does feel like elite warriors, like they are somebody who should be feared. They are somebody who's earned their reputation across the galaxy. And it just makes Din and it makes Boba Fett seem like they're that much more formidable warriors when you actually see what Mandalorians do. You know, we we get that periodically throughout this this series, like whole groups of them doing Mando stuff. And it's it's just I, I never tire of it. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, I, I like that a lot. You know, I did think it was interesting and I did like how. You know, Captain Tiva of the New Republic went to, well, Carson, you know, Captain Carson Tiva went to try and get help, you know, was denied help and went straight to the Mandalorian spot to, to talk to them and ask them about it. And, you know, I do like that code of honor thing where he's like, I know you're going to move, but you have my word. I won't tell anybody. And it's like. I believe that Din believes him. Like, I just, I like that even though he's wearing the helmet, you know, to me, there's just, there's always something very cool and just relatable about the fact that it would be nice to live in a world where your word was your bond. Like, 
I'm not going to say anything. End of story. Like, I, I do like that aspect in this show still. And I thought that was really good dialogue. And, you know, him asking for help. Uh, again, I felt was was uh, really well done. But again, it just like it's kind of overshadowed by how incompetent people who are in charge seem. Like, I I really do like the character of Carson Tiva. I'm I'm starting to kind of enjoy him as a, as a reoccurring side character. I kept waiting for uh, Grief Karga to just go help me, Dinjar, and you're my only hope. <laughs> like I was waiting for it. I kind of wanted it, but I'm gl- I also am kind of glad they didn't go quite that far with it. That would have been cool. But you're right. There's you, you've got some people that when the first order finally does take back over, there's, there's a lot of new Republic figures. They're going to be like, I, I told you, mm-hmm. I told you, you didn't listen to me. I told you all this was going to go on and it's all of you people's fault. Yeah, no, I, I think there's just, there's so many, there's so much finger pointing that can go on, you know, with all of this, but Besides that, one of the other strong things that I I thought was, you know, in this episode was, again, whether or not I like the change in focus, I, I have been severely throughout this season impressed with Bo-Katan. I, I, yeah. I have really liked her character development. And which is it's even more impressive to me considering you know those first two episodes maybe even halfway through the third i was like i don't know like boy she just does not like i liked her and like go mope somewhere else <laughs> yeah and, and she, yeah try to try to get daredevil and batman to move over so you can have your own gargoyle to mope right, on ex- right exactly but you know, I've, I felt it's been very well done. I have liked her development, you know, and, and the scene of her realizing that you can walk both paths and they can be united. It doesn't have to be, well, this, you know, this faith following side of Mandalorians and and this side, Hey, there's, there's room for both. And, you know, kind of in the world we live in right now. I think there's something to take from that. Doesn't have to be as simple as, well, you either wear your helmet or you don't, you know, you don't have to be over there and I don't have to be over here. We can be right here. I I like that. I I thought that was a really well done scene to, you know, kind of cap episode five. You know, I'll just kind of co-sign what you said about Bogotan being a character. I've grown a great deal of interest in seeing her progression and what she's done. And I, I'm just as excited to see what she does throughout the rest of this season and the rest of this series, frankly, uh, as I am Din and, and Grogu. And what was interesting to me is, is she kind of, okay, so she ingratiates herself into this enclave and she follows their ways. She's, she's their guest at this point. So she's going to kind of just, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans <laughs> yep. do, you know, when, when you're with the death watch, you leave your helmet on. And it felt like when the armorer told her to go ahead and remove her helmet, it felt like she wasn't prepared to do that. It almost felt like she was okay. Kind of 
affiliating with this group. And that wasn't necessarily something that she needed to do. It was, uh, did you kind of pick up on that? Like she was kind of maybe, I don't want to say like becoming really one of them, but it felt like she was ready to walk their way. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, cause part of my mind was like, she's not doing it because she feels like it's a test and like, they're going to use that against her. But then I just, I, I kind of, you know, I, I, I snapped into that mode that you just talked about where, no, I feel like in the time frame that she's been with them and, you know, seeing them, you know, cause we also have to take into account that like from the show's perspective and from the character's perspective, you know, there's, there's more behind the scenes, so to speak, what we've seen, I, I'm sure the writers want you to, and like probably go with the fact that, Hey, they went and saved, you know, somebody's kid. And then, you know, how, how much time has passed between what we saw that last adventure to now? It's not just like, that's the only thing that's going on. So there, I'm sure there's been conversations. There's been meals or whatever the case may be, obviously, you know, but I just feel like there's more dialogue that's taken place between all of the Mandalorians where they are. And yeah, I, I felt like her hesitation really was, well, I don't know that I necessarily believe in that path anymore. And you've taken me in, you've shown me care and consideration and things like that. So, you know, I, I want to show that respect back. And that, that's how I, that's yeah. how I interpreted that as well. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, you know, if you're, if you're attending a, a religious ceremony, that's maybe not a, a religion you follow, you still wear like this, their ceremonial dress. If that's part of what that ceremony is, like it felt kind of like that she was observing their traditions out of respect. It was, it was, it was just kind of interesting scene, like I said, and I'm, I'm really fascinated to see kind of what they decided to do with Bo-Katan. Yeah, no. I am too. And, you know, for me, that would lead me into more of my, my conversation for, for episode six, but is there anything else that you wanted to touch on specifically uh, about episode five? No, let's get right. right. So uh, episode six, I really did enjoy episode five. We'll save our ratings for both till the end here. I thought episode six was a pretty significant step back from episode five. And, and I do mean significant. There were a lot of things I did not like about this episode. This is one of the ones that I was talking about that felt disjointed, that felt like a side quest just to fill the map and say, Oh, well our main games, you know, don't focus on the fact that the main story is only eight hours. Like, we have all of these side quests in, in video games, which is a whole nother topic, but it, this just felt like one of those episodes that was uh, really disjointed by some bad performances. And I, I'm not saying anything about this person other than the performance. I don't care about her music. I'm not judging her on that. I don't understand why was Lizzo a part of this? I mean, I'm sorry. I, I thought she was terrible. She brought nothing to it. 
I don't particularly like, I didn't think Jack Black was as bad and that's somebody I really like, but it just felt like it was a, Hey, look who we have in star Wars. Isn't this cool? And I was just like, no, it's not. Not going to disagree with anything you said. You know what it felt like to me? And it took me a couple of days to really put my finger on it. It felt like, it felt like a scene from a Muppet movie. Yes. Oh my God. That's such a good way to fricking describe it. Because it, it was the whole point of the cameos in Muppet movies is the fact that it's, Hey, look at the cameo. Right. Like we got this big name to show up and play this minor character. And once, like once I really put my finger on that idea, it was hard for me to see it any other way. You know, the scenes with Jack Black and Lizzo, they're not great. They're tonally goofy and they feel really out of place with this series. Not that there's not lighthearted fun moments in this series, but the tone was way, way well, off. And I think too, and I have expected one of them to wink at the camera, yeah. you know, like, and I think part of the thing that really hurt it for me as well was the simple fact that like, when you say tonally different, they felt like they were in two different scenes as well. Like her, you know, he felt a little too over the top. Like he felt like his character in the goosebumps movie. And she was just very, very wooden. Like I, I literally was just sitting there going, it's one of those scenes where we talked about before, where you yell action, you shoot, you film, you yell cut, you look back. And I, I go to myself you didn't want to take another take or is that the best one that you got? They were good by the standards you would use when you judge a, uh, a host on Saturday night live. Who's not actually from the world of Hollywood. Yeah, it, it was just, it was very wooden. It was very flat. You know, Oh, my husband is a good man. He has done things to make changes. He would never. And I was like, I, who are you talking to right now? Like what you're, you're monologuing because you're not talking to a character. Like it doesn't feel like you're talking to the character in front of you. It feels like you're narrating a freaking book. It's, it's hard to look at that and, and understand why some of these decisions were made. And the crazy thing is, This episode was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who, when you look at other episodes in this series, that she's she's had some of the best, some of the best, some of the, she's had some of the best. Yeah. Uh, And that's why it's just, it it felt like I don't have an explanation for what happened here. The weird to, to me and not the weird thing, but it's, I do feel that there was a lot of good direction, but it was almost like, you know, maybe this was the best that you could get. And, you know, like, right. Because, she's, because Din and Bo still play it right, straight. Like, they're, they're doing their okay, thing. She's in the director's chair, but there's only so much she can do. She doesn't write the script. You know, she can only direct so much. And if you're only going to get this out of the character, like I said, maybe this is the best takes that you got. And, but it, it, it just, yeah, it, it it felt like one of those things like, oh, look who's in Star Wars because it's cool. And 
you know, I mean, and I can't say like, God forbid, if for some reason I got a chance to be in Star Wars and got like, yeah, I take it. I don't care how much of an idiot I made myself look like on screen because I'm a terrible actor and people would probably be like, I don't know. I guess at the end of the day, I'd be like, yeah, but I was in Star Wars, buddy. So screw you. <laughs> Listen, if I had a chance to be in Star Wars, I would happily portray Jar Jar Binks long lost right. clone <laughs> and, and run around on on screen drinking blue milk right out of the little fat cow thing from the island in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> I, just, I would do all of it just to be in Star right. Wars. So, I mean, to a degree, it's like, OK, but, you know, again, this is just one of those episodes that felt really disjointed and even the culmination of the storyline of this episode with um oh my god why am i forgetting his yeah, Christopher, Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd my god blanked for a second like even his culmination of just again it's i, I likened it to to Moff Gideon just the casualness <laughs> of like oh my lady maybe in time I can earn your forgiveness or whatever he's whatever he said. I'm like, uh, you guys are awfully nonchalant about somebody who is trying to take down your entire civilization. Uh, 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 Yeah. This whole last bit is just terrible. And I don't fully understand the motive for these little micro droids that he's, why did he bother? What was his end? Like that's never fully described. Like he's, is he just like, other than giving Bo and Din something to do, because once again, we're, we're kind of on fetch quests with this series yep. again, other than giving him something to do and name drop Count Dooku, is he just an anarchist? Like, what is what was he actually going with this? What was he doing? It, it's unclear to me why. And then the end of it, I, I was the only thing that was missing from that scene was for Christopher Lloyd to say, and I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for those meddling Mandalorians. Yeah. Yep. It, it it seriously felt like that. It was, yeah, it, it just felt so abruptly ended in terms of why they were there to take care of this. And it was like, yeah, I just, I didn't get it. And again, I was like, wow, like, that's why I'm saying. And there's not an individual droid kill switch. It's just there's one kill switch to kill right. all of them. Like each one doesn't have an individual one. Like what? Like, and I know tech in Star Wars works differently than it does here, but it seems like when when you make it work convenient for you for the story you're trying to tell instead of have it actually make sense, then it's noticeable and it's obvious and it pulls me out yeah, of the scene. My my God, though, I, I laugh because Rob, you have said this. I'm exaggerating a million times, but Holy cow. I love the fact that in this world of Star Wars that exists, there is light speed travel. There is nanobot technology that can heal people. There's suits that can keep a man who's missing half of his body alive and everything in between. But you still have dial up speed for holograms. <laughs> I, I just, those holograms. Yeah. And I, I laugh. I think about, I, I think about you every time there's a hologram on screen <laughs> because you, they just, they can't get reception. They, they've, they still haven't yeah. that aspect of star Wars technology. No one's cracked the code. They've cracked cloning and everything in between, but a steady hologram picture with good cell service is out of the question. 
the galaxy far, far away is still on a bad Zoom <laughs> right? call. Right? They are on 2G network or whatever, whatever yeah. it is. But I just yeah. I, I laugh anytime there's a hologram conversation in Star Wars. <laughs> it just it cracks me up. Yeah, it's like we have tech better than that right, right, right. now. Exactly. Like, Matt, you and I are using tech to record this episode right. it's better than that. <laughs> right, exactly. Maybe that's maybe that's how the the freaking the empire in the first order because the the signal's so bad. They don't hear half the conversation. They're like I- yeah, that that's how they end up taking back over because the new republic is using like a first generation right. iPad. To Just do everything. part of the conversation that's cut off is like, no, I've literally heard them saying we're gonna call ourselves the first <laughs> order. This is what we're doing. Here's the plan. What? I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, you guys remember the Empire, right? All right. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do all of that the exact same. We're just gonna call it the first yeah, order. So, not change. No, anything else. not a not a single thing. But yeah, I just I feel like episode six was just such a step back from five. It felt disjointed. It it really felt unnecessary. I, I mean, minus the the ending of and even that still felt very like anticlimactic with Din giving Bo the Darksaber. And I'd kind of thought about that, too. It's like, OK, well, she kind of saved him. She used the dark saber to save him and then just kind of tossed it back to him. Like, I'd kind of thought about that. Well, didn't wasn't he technically defeated and then she defeated. So, like, if A is greater than B and B is greater than C, then isn't A great, greater than C? Like, I was trying to right. do that math in my head. Remember, remember, like, seventh grade <laughs> math, we did stuff like that. Like, I was trying to do that at the time. But like, and then I just kind of forgot about that idea. Um, but it, it does make sense for her to finally get the dark saber that way. And we had kind of talked about this a little bit in a previous recap. Like, are they building towards a showdown between these two characters? Because it kind of felt like maybe it was going that way, but it it never seemed like that was something Din wanted. He he was not interested right. in that at all, where, where Bo is obsessed with it. He couldn't be bothered to even think about it. He just, you know, wants to hang out with Space Pikachu and, and cruise around the galaxy. Yeah, no. And uh, again, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure what I wanted to see, I, I can't articulate on it, you know, any better, but you know, even just that, which is supposed to be a big moment again, just felt. And it's not because I don't think she acted it well. It's just the manner and kind of how it all just plays together. It ends again. It just, it didn't feel like as big of a moment and maybe we'll get something. It, it because we got a pretty cool fight. Yeah, the fight was it. pretty good. I liked it. And maybe we'll get something in episode seven that, you know, makes it feel a little bit more appropriate. But to me, it just didn't feel like as big of a moment for her as it should have. You know, that makes sense. Uh, I'll come with you on that because something did feel off to me. And I just thought kind of it was like a, the sour taste I had in my mouth from all of the other nonsense that happened. Before. Right. Like, like it's, it's almost like I drank a skunked beer and there's just like, okay, wh- whatever you give me next is just going to feel weird on my palate, no matter what. But that does make a lot of sense. I, I think there's different points in this episode that Din really does show nice diplomacy that I didn't know that we necessarily thought he was capable mm-hmm. of in, in other, other parts. So it's, it's kind of nice to see him learning. He, he's kind of a simple man with, with simple motivations. He just, you know, prior to, being the ward for for Grogu, he 
would just collect contracts and go about his, his thing. And now he's being thrust into these situations that are greater than himself, greater than even just the immediate people that he does care about and are around him. And he never wanted to get involved, but now he has to, it's, it's nice to kind of see him. I don't want to say playing the game, but figuring out how to interact and get the best result for the people he does care about. Right. Exactly. I, I, I do. I, I like, I do like where he has gone, but again, I, I think that's where it ties in with the announcement of what we're getting in terms of star Wars. You know, it's at the celebration. There was a lot of announcements, Ahsoka, the fact that we're getting a Star Wars movie set 15 years after the rise of Skywalker with Ray Skywalker coming back, finally getting a high Republic, the first Jedi and how the Jedi order was founded. A Mando movie, you know, this, this episode, and we got that announcement after this episode had aired. So it kind of gave me more time to think of, and that's why I have these stronger feelings. Like, yeah, this, this was filler. Like now all of a sudden these shows, you know, don't feel like they're individual anymore. It's almost like the first, you know, what, what was it? 17 movies in the MCU that eventually led to Endgame with all these branching stories. But like, that's kind of what these shows kind of felt like after these announcements were made, because we're getting a movie that describes exactly how the first order came to power. And I felt like at the time, these shows were doing a good enough job with showing that. But now all of a sudden it feels like they're kind of going to be dragged out. It, to me, it's like a season that was on television that it's like, did Smallville need to have 22 episodes a season? No, not really. I love Smallville. It didn't need to be 22 episodes a season. Cause that's how you get filler. And after these announcements, I was like, yeah, some of this feels like even more filler now because they're trying to, whether it be, hey, we need to recuperate some money if a movie is good, because I don't know how much money they can make off Disney Plus with the production that they put into these shows. And maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but, you know, these announcements, although I'm excited for them, to me kind of exemplified maybe some of the problems that I was having with season three of Mando. I think there's there's benefits to making an interconnected cinematic universe obviously marvel is doing it largely doing it fantastically there's been some major missteps along the way we've talked about that at length with star wars there's so much that is connected between the official tie-in novels that were then kind of kicked out of canon and some of it are back in canon there's the tie-in graphic novels and the comic series with marvel there's the video games that some of it's canon, some of it's not. And, and all of it is intended to kind of tie in. And Star Wars is almost at a point where there's that, that fear of missing out that people mm-hmm. talk about a lot now. That if you don't watch everything, if you don't read everything. And I kind of feel like, 
the Mandalorian has sort of been like Dave Filoni, Filoni, I'm sorry, I can't not pronounce his last name right now. Um, you know, kind of his like, Hey, you know, all that star Wars content I've made, you got to go watch all of it. If you really want to feel like you're catching every reference and, and understanding every character's backstory of this big show that everybody's watching right now. And I, I feel like there's star Wars is diverse enough that you can tell stories that have nothing to do with anything. Mm-hmm. Skywalker. You can go way back in time. You can go way forward in time. You can tell stories set during the Re- the Galactic Republic. You can tell stories set during the period of the Empire, the the New Republic. You can tell all of these stories and not have a single one of them tie into a character we've already seen and still be able to tell something really compelling, really interesting, and really good. And it's harder sometimes maybe to get people to jump on something of a character they've never seen that doesn't tie into a character they already like. I understand that, but I think star Wars is a big enough IP that you can Mm -hmm. do it. I almost kind of wish they would do more of that. I mean, think how great KOTOR was Knights of the old Republic that came out at the Xbox and PS2 generation universally loved universally regarded as one of the greatest star Wars games, one of the greatest games of that generation of consoles. And it's still re-released and and played and played and played had nothing to do with any characters that we had seen Mm -hmm. on film to that point, or maybe will at all. And it's, it was great. It was great. Star Wars. It was great entertainment. So I think there's, yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, Kotar, if you look at most lists is regarded as, the best star Wars game. Now maybe Jedi survivor will overtake that spot, but yeah, the original Kotar game is, is widely considered the best star Wars game that's been created. And, you know, in some circles is maybe the best star Wars story there. There's, you know, there's support for that. But I, I think what my, my biggest thing is, and Again, with these announcements, and I will preface again, I'm, you know, I'm excited. I, I Rob, I texted him was like, so I'm really interested in the fact of Ray Skywalker. Like, I, I, I texted yeah, you immediately and was like, look at this. Like, wow. And you were like, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, and I, I'm, I'm excited for that because you and I talked about it. I'm like, you could literally erase all of the ill will towards the sequel trilogy with one good movie about Ray Skywalker. And now nobody cares that she's Ray Skywalker. It's go Ray, but it just, these announcements again, kind of make it feel like maybe they pulled And I'm not saying you said this, but the boy, we don't want to miss out on creating something that culminates in a large scale movie event where I just, I didn't get that, that feeling before these announcements. So it, to me, it feels like you threw a curveball for no reason. We kept hearing that there was another trilogy in the works. And what I haven't heard yet, and, and correct me if you've heard differently is the movie that's going to be based around Ray has not been described as a jumping off point for subsequent movies or that Daisy Ridley's under like a seven film deal or something like that. It's 
from I again it's a very initial announcement but you know the things that they announced do not have any indication that they are part of anything other than this is one movie to tell one story and i'm 100% yeah fine i am with too that because I want them to tell a story, tell a good story, tell a compelling, captivating, cohesive story that that reinvigorates people's passion around Star Wars. Not that I'm pretending that like Star Wars is going to disappear tomorrow if they don't make a good movie or if they make one bad movie, Star Wars goes away and nobody likes it anymore. I, I'm certainly not it, saying it that. might go away for 10 years like happened, you know, with the original outswell of hatred towards the prequel trilogy might go away for a little while, but then look what happened. It came back how many years later and absolutely dominated the box office. That was all anybody talked about was God, look how much money the force awakens is making. Yeah. So certainly they're not in danger, but I I think the, the danger to the future excitement and the kinds of movies that you can make or what you'll have to do to get the fan base excited to go on opening weekend mm-hmm. and see the movie three or four times to do avatar or end game type numbers. It might change. And if this, if this movie slaps, if this movie is good, I think it changes perception on the character of Ray. And I think it changes the dynamic of what people want from star Wars or will plunk down their hard earned money to go see. Yeah. You know, I I think there's there's certainly a lot of intrigue with it as to where they can, you know, as to where they can go. And I'm on board. I'll support it. You know, the one thing that we've seen is you better hope this time that they have an actual roadmap of, okay, this is our plan. However, we're making one movie. And this is where it goes. Now, here is a foundation of where it could go. And if people want to see it, then okay, we'll do it. But we have to look long and hard if people actually want this. And then not say, oh, okay, you can do whatever you want. Like, meh, you really don't have to follow anything that happened in The Force Awakens. Kind of feel free to do whatever you want. And then. Ooh, boy, we got a lot of backlash about The Last Jedi. Hey, could you do us a favor? Could you kind of make a soft reboot sequel <laughs> to The Force Awakens, but mm, sort of a semi-sequel to some of the plot points in The Last Jedi? Like, you can't do that again. You have to have the frame of the car ready. Yeah, I I think all of that makes one you know one hundred percent sense. And when they come to choosing directors, you know Brian Johnson, just keep working on Knives Out movies, stay away from Star Wars, and uh, do whatever you want beyond that. Yeah, no, I think that'll be an interesting thing. Anything else that you want to talk about with Episode Six? Anything that I that I didn't bring up that you had a uh, an opinion on? There's one kind of 
I don't want to say throwaway line, but kind of like a minor plot point to this when they're talking about how the droids do everything Mm -hmm. for them and that they can't turn them off because the people will freak out and things like that. It felt like the episode was trying to make some kind of comment about humanity, but it was really lazily expressed. And honestly, like I didn't care enough to think about it, to try to figure out what it was trying to say. And it just really stuck out to me as just another just another place where this episode just tripped over itself and and was unsuccessful in what they were trying yeah, to do. No, I, I a hundred percent agree with that. I felt there was maybe, a, you know, there's a message there, but yeah, it just, it felt like a throwaway line that, eh, okay. You could have explored something, but you didn't. And, and yeah, that was disappointing. I, I felt like it was, it was disappointing to get to episode six. Cause again, I was like, all right, who cool episode five. And just cause of things that have been going on, uh, I kind of really watched these episodes very close together. So I was riding a high off of episode five going into six and it very quickly was like, Oh, well, someone put a pin in my balloon. Awesome. (laughs) So that, that was disappointing. However, I do want to say, Rob, I don't know if you saw it because we've we've talked about this a lot with Star Wars, though, with with the Star Wars celebration. And, you know, there was a lot of outswelling of support last year when it was announced. But. It was just really cool again, because when we've said when Star Wars is good, nothing feels like it, at least to me. When it's good, there's no better feeling in the world. And when people are good about Star Wars, it's so cool to see. And did you see the outpouring for Hayden Christensen's appearance during Star Wars week? I have not seen that, but I am going to YouTube that when we're done recording. it, It was so cool. Literally just people cheering, chanting his name. You literally could see him like his eyes like welling up on stage. It was it was so cool to see just and again, like when it was announced he was coming back and that support, you know, I'm sure that was a rush. But I just I can't imagine going from, you know, being like, geez, I, you know, hate Star Wars or, you know, I I can't believe how what people have said to me because of Star Wars. It was just one of those cool things to see. You know, being someone who is a huge fan of of this universe. It it was just a really cool thing to see. And again, it's, it's a reminder when star Wars is good, just how good it feels and how much it just, it brings people together for the better. We'd kind of, I think we talked about this on air, but with his kind of Mm reemergence back into the star Wars sphere and the interest that people have, certainly you've talked a lot about, how great the the tie-in comics are that explore what Darth Vader does between episodes three and four. And actually, I think it goes a little bit into yes. four and five, some of that timeline stuff. If if somebody went to him right now, if somebody from Disney went to Hayden Christensen right now and said, we want to do a Vader movie that explores his actions between three and four, are you in? I I think you could do that, right? I think you could make that movie. I think you could make that series mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, I, I think you have, 
you know, from curiosity standpoint, you have a major opening weekend. You know, if it's not a movie and it was a Disney plus show, you probably have the highest rated first episode watch ever in history of Disney plus. And maybe hopefully that's something that we get because there are, I tell you, I much like I have said about the clone wars that last season and particularly the last like four episodes of that show. I'd say that's some of the best star Wars that's ever been produced is the clone wars. And then his Vader's comic is boy, there is some incredible stuff in there. It even manages to find a way to make him screaming. No cool. Maybe it's because I don't hear his voice and I just see it on, on the page. There's, there's been some incredible things that they've done with those comics. And it even, I, I swear to God, I, I, I don't need a cat scan. I'm not going crazy for people who are listening. They had done some incredible things with Vader knowing about Exegol and making connections to rise of Skywalker in some of these comic books. They found a way to make some of the weirdest plot points of Rise of Skywalker insanely interesting because Vader knew about some of these things way before we ever saw this movie. So there's a ton there that they could do. I'd be 100% in favor of it. But again, that would that could be a whole nother episode. But (laughs) let's go ahead. Let's get into popcorn time. Let's. Stuff our face a little bit here. We'll start with episode five and I'll go first. For me, episode five was a major step forward. It it felt like a really good episode of The Mandalorian. Uh, I give episode five, four and a half buckets. I really enjoyed it. It made me excited to turn on episode six. So I thought it was very well done. Return to form, so to speak. Very enjoyable. Rob, how did you feel about five? Uh, Nothing to disagree with there. It's four and a half. It's not the best episode we've seen of this series, uh, but it's a very good one. And it's got some great, great moments in it. It it encapsulates some of what we love most about what the series is capable of. Yeah, totally agree. And then we move to episode six. And this is just a no brainer for me. Uh, this is actually two and a half for me on on episode six. I really did not enjoy this episode. I think the things that were good are completely overshadowed by really bad acting, a completely unnecessary, so to speak, side quest in terms of where it got us to, and a cheap resolution and one that felt like it was no big deal uh, when in terms of what was happening, it should have been a big deal. I it just felt like everything was kind of swept under the rug here and it was a real disappointment to me. I'm going to go a little lower. I'm going to go wow. with two. Um, this is not quite the worst. I think that we've seen, although I'm trying to remember which episode I liked less than this. I think there was one I gave, I gave like a really low I'd score. I have to go to. back and double check. It, yeah. If you actually look at how 
Disney's been promoting this particular episode, they've been plastering Jack Black and Lizzo everywhere as though that's the reason to watch this Mm -hmm. as though it's almost like a stunt to cast them in this, to try to get people to watch the show. You don't need stunt cameo castings to get people to watch the Mandalorian. We're already mm-hmm. here. We're already watching it. You've got great music. You've got great adventure. You've got baby Yoda. Like what the hell else do yeah. you need? You don't I need mean, this. In all honesty, you for star Wars. You don't need to look any further than and again, he was not when when Star Wars first came out, was Mark Hamill super well known? No, no, he wasn't. You know, look at The Force Awakens. You got that cast. And you're like, OK, to the casual person, right? Who? Like, oh, cool. Like. Sure, the original three are coming back, but then you were like, oh, there's who? Who the heck are these main characters? Like, it wasn't like the casual person was going to be like, oh, my. Wait a minute. Daisy Ridley in a Star Wars movie. Oh, my God. Like, you don't have to bank on. Oh, come see it because, you know, like turn on the Mandalorian because Jack Black's in it. And again, I like Jack Black. I think he's a funny guy. He's not the reason I would turn on Star Wars. He's part of the reason why I watched the Jumanji movies. He'd never like, <laughs> you know, yeah, he'd, he'd never be a reason for me to turn on Star Wars. So right. I, I just think it was really. And again, nothing personal against him. It was just very misguided. To me. It's not what we wanted. It's not necessary. So I, yeah, I was let down. I'm not going to go quite as far to say this was like a betrayal to the fan base, but man, like it, it, if you're a fan who's, who sat down and was watching this and you're a star Wars diehard, if you kind of turned your TV off and were like, what the hell did they just do to me? (laughs) Like, I would kind of understand that. Like what, like, why did you do this? Yeah. I need a shower. Like, why did you do that? Like, no, who exactly is out there demanding this content for Star Wars? Yeah, no, it's and and that's the thing is you kind of sit there and go. okay, I. Again, I, I don't think Jack Black and Lizzo. Are the people that get you new viewers permanently. I, you know, if if that's what you're looking for, I, I don't think. And certainly it's not like the ratings for this benefited season three of the Mandalorian has nobody is going to be very well watched. Nobody is going out to cosplay as captain bombardier or the duchess for Halloween this year. Like you will not see anybody do that. You're not buying a Funko pop of either. All right. I, I have to return something, but I can. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think, I think, I think our friend Faith <laughs> might be out buying Funko Pops because she buys all of them. But other than Faith, uh, I don't know who else would be buying a Funko of either of yeah, those characters. No. So, you know, certainly the tale of, of two episodes, I think uh, we've got what two episodes left, seven and eight. Seven and eight. By the time this is up and running, you're listening to this. uh, We'll be a day away from 
episode seven. Certainly a lot, I think, to pack in to these next two episodes based on on where we're going. Uh, interested to see where the journey takes us, but it felt good to to be back and, and talking at least about the Mandalorian again, for better or worse. I'll use that term again, but yeah, some other stuff coming down the pipeline here at Matt goes to the movies. We're going to get back on a more normal schedule here with some things cleared out of the way. But Rob, if you know, we're on a new platform as a, as our main host, but if for some reason this is the first episode that a listener would have been listening to starting on, episodes five and six of the Mandalorian. Where could a new listener keep in contact with Matt goes to the movie, suggest things, uh, you know, just talk in general with the show. Yeah. So if you are new to the show, first of all, thank you. We appreciate you choosing to download this and, and hear our words coming out of your AirPods or your car speakers or whatever you happen to be listening to it on. And if you're a returning listener also, thank you. We appreciate you sticking around and hanging out with us uh, every week, every you know couple times a week sometimes. And uh, you should definitely, if you have not already, uh, like the show on all of your favorite social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook, including the official Facebook uh, group. It's on. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Reddit, YouTube. I think I got them all. Did I get them all? Did I miss any? Google Plus. Yeah, we're, yeah. Look, look on <laughs> Google Plus too. Yeah, look, look there, and uh, uh, you can find the show everywhere. You can also email the show mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. Send in your power rankings of the show so far this season. Have you been into the Mandalorian? Have you been into the Last of Us and the Mandalorian? And you're and you want to talk about a little bit of each? If you have any particular episodes you would like to request. Um, I actually do that. If you have episodes you'd like to request, please send those in because some of the suggestions that I've been sending to Matt are absolutely terrible. And I do not want to watch any of the movies I've been suggesting lately. And I'm afraid we're probably going to do it anyways. And I'm not going to have anyone to, and I want to watch all so of them. Please give us, so-, <laughs> <laughs> so please send in your suggestions or your themes for, for a, a series of shows uh, because the ones that I'm coming up with right now are just so God awful and bad, but that's honestly, that's probably what you, the listener want to hear anyways. Cause it sounds like um, the episodes where we watch bad movies are some of people's favorites. Yeah, abs- absolutely. So again, I'll just reiterate listeners. Thank you so much for a new listener an existing listener. We really appreciate it. Uh, always have a blast doing this show, Rob. Thank you as always, and we will catch you very soon at Matt Goes to the Movies.